Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and I'm a contributor, a Forbes contributor, covering social entrepreneurship and impact investing. Today's guest is Sister Carol Kean, the President and CEO of the Catholic Health Association. Sister Carol, thank you very much for joining us this morning. My pleasure, Devin. Thank you. Well, the pleasure is all ours. Now, we're here to talk about the relaunch, the reopening, the rededication of your hospital in Haiti. Tell us a little bit about the history of the hospital there in Haiti before we talk about uh, the rebuilding and rededication. Well, Devin, as you know, Haiti is the poorest country in this hemisphere. And this hospital had been there serving the people of uh, Port-au-Prince and surrounding areas for over 100 years. Um, a number of our members had been involved in little works in Haiti and bigger works in Haiti, including with the hospital. Um, so a number of our members were acquainted with the challenges of the people of Haiti. And then we had that horrible earthquake, which killed essentially uh, about 300,000 people. It's the sad part about that earthquake was it didn't really have, there was no need for those people to die. We had an earthquake a couple months later in Chile that was even stronger and killed 200. And then a couple months later, an even stronger earthquake in uh, New Zealand that didn't kill anybody. So clearly the port construction, et cetera, was um, part of the, the tragedy of the, the Haiti earthquake and cost the lives of so many thousands of people. Uh, this was a hospital that many people in a very poor section of Port-au-Prince depended on. And suddenly it was devastated at a time when they needed it the most. Uh, it's just uh, so painful to think about uh, that tragic uh, January day five years ago uh, and the impact that it's had. Tell us about the process of getting that hospital rebuilt. How how was it funded? How was it organized? How did you do it? Well, first of all, our members, as many people did, contributed to groups like Catholic Relief Services, the Red Cross, who were trying to keep people alive. Water, food, sanitation, etc. And then we realized that they were triaging in the courtyard of the hospital, um, but the long-term future was not only housing and food and water, but they needed a hospital. Um, one wing of the hospital tragically had pancaked completely on itself. That was the nursery, the pediatric ward, and so you had mothers and babies and visitors and staff members who were pancaked in that and killed, but could not, we couldn't even get in and remove the bodies. So it was a real tragedy. And the, the CHA board said, 
we have to step up to the longer term piece of this. And so uh, our members led by the, one of our former chairs, Robert Stanek, determined that they would go out and get pledges over a three to five year period for a little over $10 million so that we could work with Catholic Relief Services and the Archdiocese of Port-au-Prince and rebuild the hospital. And it's owned by the Archdiocese of Port-au-Prince. But at this point, what they owned was rubble. And so uh, we worked on first raising the money and then forming a committee to help the people of Port-au-Prince and to help the Archdiocese rebuild well, not rebuild that would be crushed by the next earthquake because we're foolish to think there won't be another earthquake in Haiti. And so we spent a lot of time with a special stewardship committee that did oversight. We had the plans looked at and revisited by um, experts in um, earthquake resistance. Uh, and so we were, the quickest part was getting the pledges for the $10 million. The hard part was finding people who could do construction, getting the materials imported into Port-au-Prince, and then finding people on the ground there that could help be part of the construction of this kind of a project. And, and so we are very pleased to have been able to dedicate it around the fifth anniversary of the earthquake. I imagine the challenges uh, were almost overwhelming at times. I've heard from a number of organizations that have tried to build clinics, schools, hospitals, that it's very daunting and many quit in the earliest stages. Can you help us understand some of the challenges that uh, you had to overcome? Well, I can understand why people uh, quit because it is really challenging. It really was over a year before we could actually determine even that the land the hospital had been on for a hundred years was actually owned by the archdiocese. Well, you don't want to build a brand new hospital on land you don't even know if you own. Then finding a way to get construction materials there, not only to spec the right construction materials, but to have a, an engineering team on site that said, yes, this is the pipe we spec'd, this is the rebar we spec'd, and this is enough of it so that we don't do rebar about every one third of the places that it should be. And so it is very challenging. And um, you, you just can't, you can't spec it and then say walk away. You can't say I've ordered the right material, you've got to stay right there. And then you've got to stay there that it's actually been installed as it's supposed to be installed. So that's an incredible challenge when you're not on the ground. Most of us think, well, I gave the money and we'll, they'll get it done. And the, the church in Haiti, Catholic Relief Services in Haiti, and ourselves wanted this done right uh, because it is a huge, huge gift to the people of Haiti and it's something that they desperately need. So you can't just do it from afar. We've spent a lot of time in Oh no. 
We've lost Sister Carol, and uh, I'm hopeful that she will jump right back into this call. We had a little bit of technology uh, challenges this morning, and so uh, Carol's been joining us via her um, her iPhone, uh, which works uh, just fine as a general rule. And, and as you saw, we were having a very good and productive conversation with her. So I can't guess as to what has happened exactly, but I hope she'll be right back with us. Uh, as as we were talking, uh, she mentioned that the hospital has been there for over 100 years. In fact, uh, it was founded in 1881. And uh, looks like, okay. Sister Carol, you're back. Can you hear us, Sister Carol? I can, Devin. I'm not sure what happened. Good. Well, we're glad to have you back in any case. And let's hope that uh, we won't have that uh, issue repeat. But Sister Carol, why don't you tell us a little bit about how the hospital fits into the uh, ecosystem of healthcare in Port-au-Prince? Well, you know that a community can't thrive without good health care. And so these are people who have had real trouble getting even basic health care, as well as basic sanitation, basic water and food. And so you can put one piece that's really important together, but if you don't put the other pieces together, you don't have you don't have the balance and you don't have the package that people need to rebuild their lives. You know, whether it's housing but not food, or food but not housing, etc. Um, we are not a, uh, an association that does a lot in food and housing. But we are an association that knows healthcare, and so we've felt that's what we brought to the table, and it was a, an important piece that maybe other agencies didn't bring, and so we were happy to do that. And we think, and we we could see in the faces of the people of Haiti, having a modern, well-built, well-equipped new hospital in the heart of downtown that's been so surrounded by rubble gave them great hope. You could see it on the faces of everybody from the president of Haiti to the student nurse at the University of Notre Dame of Haiti. Uh, it just is a, it, it was a great, great day in Port-au-Prince last week. Well, I congratulate you for bringing that to pass. The just an incredible work that you've done there is really, really inspiring. I wonder, uh, Sister Carol, as you think about the work that you're doing, who inspires you? Who, what, who's the role model that you look to uh, to keep working when it's hard? Clearly, Pope Francis. I think on the on the world stage, this is you know he is just an incredible inspiration. You have somebody whose absolute love of God drives him to loving the people created by God and to live so joyously. He just, it is the whole package, Devin. Um, and he is really an incredible inspiration and an and affirmation of really the efforts that need to be made need to be 
to be neighbor and friend to each other. And whether that's in your office or in your neighborhood or on the world stage, um, or should I say in the United States Congress, um, where we've had you know, our challenges this year, it is the thing to do. And it, it is what we're all called to. And we are all better and happier for doing it that way. So I have been, I've been incredibly impressed. And, um, and I think uh, he affirms the ministry that we're about, you know, when he talks about, we should be like a field hospital for God. You can't get more affirmation than that of the work of healthcare. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is interesting to me as a non-Catholic how inspiring Pope Francis has been to Christians and I think even non-Christians all around the world. Uh, he, he truly has been uh, a role model for living Christian principles uh, in, in their fullest and has really been a tremendous inspiration to many. So I, I think that's a, a great role model. Now, the... As you think about your work, you didn't uh, become a nun. You didn't end up where you are without having made some fairly deliberate decisions. And therefore, I suspect that there is a very strong why. Why do you do what you do? Well, the first reason I do it is, you know, that I felt like, this was what the Lord was calling me to do when I was much younger. Now, I can't say that all the pieces of this were exactly what I thought was a good idea to be called to, but, um, but that's, that's really, and, and the truth of the matter is, I, I think that that's part of the, the magic, uh, if I could use that word in its best sense, and, and the, the thrill of living life well is, when you do what you're called to do and you do it really with wholeheartedness you the happiness that you gain because this world is full of really wonderful people Devin and you meet so many of them and you have the opportunity to share your life with them and to share their life and that's a that's an enormous opportunity whether you're called to be uh, a wife and mother or whether you're called to be a wife and mother and a lawyer or a wife and mother and a nurse or a teacher or whatever or a father or whatever you're called to do whether it's to be the coach at the high school um, when you really throw your heart and soul into it you really do find enormous personal rewards as well as the opportunity to do a lot of good. Yeah. Great insights, great insights. Now, one, one final question for you, Sister Carol. Can you, can you, you've been very successful. I mean, you've reached kind of the pinnacle of your career. Uh, you are saintly and wise. Give us one good tip that we could all use to have more impact on the world. I think look at where you are, the gifts you have, and what can you do with them. And none of us is going to change the whole world, but you can change the world 
of that elderly woman that walks into the emergency room and knows that she can't get undressed quickly, knows she forgets her medicine. You can change the world of that mother who's pregnant and doesn't have any insurance or has a sick child. You can change the world of that kid in high school. You can change the world of business when you are the person in the boardroom that says, that might get us more, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't spread good business ethics. You know, uh, we wouldn't have gotten into some of our bank problems and recession if we had had better thinking in the boardrooms. Boy, that's, that, that is so true, so true. We can have impact where we are. That is just such a, a great reminder. Uh, well, Sister Carol, thank you so much for being with us today. Before you go, please tell us how, I, I know there are listeners who want to connect with you. They'll want to learn more about your work. They'll want to support you, send you money. Please tell us how people can get in touch. Certainly, you can call the Catholic Health Association, 202 um, 721-6015, or you can email me, srcarolk at chausa.org. Fantastic. Sister Carol, thank you very much for being with us today, and we wish you every success in the future. Devin, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devonthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.